Greetings to one and all in the matchless and marvelous name of our Lord and Savior, of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, who gave himself to deliver us from this evil age, having made an end to the purification of sin. I hope and trust that you are well in your different contexts and always praying for you that you continue to grow in the love and knowledge of Christ and what he has accomplished for us. And today we are going to be talking about him and his work of salvation from the book of Leviticus, Leviticus chapter 14, a continuation from our last message from last week. We had our teaching from the first part of the chapter of Leviticus 14 and we'll pick up but before we get there, let's go before the Lord in prayer and ask for his blessing upon his word. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we bless you as always because you are worthy of praise, of glory, of blessing. We thank you for saving us by the work of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. We thank you for saving us by the teaching of the Holy Spirit, the regeneration by the Holy Spirit, the granting of faith, by your spirit and we are thankful lord for the scriptures and the illumination of them and we pray now for help as we go into the text that may grant us understanding and see the things of christ that are hidden or were hidden in these testimonies from the types and shadows we thank you lord we honor you for all things we pray in jesus name amen Amen and amen. And so I pray you have been getting blessed by the teaching that the Lord has been giving me to share. It's not my food to dispense. I am only a waiter. The Lord is he who gives all understanding and I am nothing more than a vessel in this business. So we'll go to Leviticus 14, 33 to 57, where Moses by the Holy Spirit recorded for us and said, And the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron, saying, When you have come into the land of Canaan, which I give you as a possession, and I put the leprosy plague in a house in the land of your possession, and he who owns the house comes and tells the priest, saying, it seems to me that there is some plague in the house, and the NET translates it this way. Verse 35, Then whoever owns the house must come and declare to the priest something like an infection is visible to me in the house. And the New American Standard translates the same verse 35 as, Then the one who owns the house shall come and tell the priest, saying, Something like a mark of leprosy has become visible to me in the house. Then the priest shall command that they empty the house before the priest goes into it to examine the plague, that all that is in the house may not be made unclean. And afterward the priest shall go in to examine the house, and he shall examine the plague, and indeed if the plague is on the walls of the house, with ingrained streaks or ingrained streaks, greenish or reddish, which appeared to be deep in the wall, 
Then the priest shall go out of the house to the door of the house and shut up the house seven days. And the priest shall come again on the seventh day and look. And indeed, if the plague has spread on the walls of the house, then the priest shall command that they take away the stones in which is the plague and they shall cast them into an unclean place outside the city. And he shall cause the house to be scraped inside or around, and the dust that they scrape off they shall pour out in an unclean place outside the city. Then they shall take other stones and put them in the place of those stones, and he shall take other mortar and plaster the house. Now if the plague comes back and breaks out in the house after he has taken away the stones, after he has scraped the house and after it is plastered, then the priest shall come and look, and indeed if the plague is spread in the house, it is an active leprosy in the house, it is unclean. And he shall break down the house, its stones, its timber, and all the plaster of the house, and he shall carry them outside the city to an unclean place. Moreover, he who goes into the house at all, while it is up, shall be unclean until evening. Verse 47. And he who lies down in the house shall wash his clothes, and he who eats in the house shall wash his clothes. But if the priest comes in and examines it, and indeed the plague has not spread in the house after the house was plastered, then the priest shall pronounce the house clean because the plague is healed. And he shall take to cleanse the house Two beds, cedarwood, scarlet, and hyssop. Then he shall kill one of the beds in an earthen vessel over running water. And he shall take the cedarwood, the hyssop, the scarlet, and the living bed, and dip them in the blood of the slain bed and in the running water, and sprinkle the house seven times. And he shall cleanse the house with the blood of the bed and the running water and the living bed, with the cedarwood, the hyssop, and the scarlet. Then he shall let the living bed loose outside the city in the open field and make atonement for the house and it shall be clean. This is the law for any leprosy saw and scale for the leprosy of a garment and of a house for a swelling and a scab and a bright spot to teach when it is unclean and when it is clean. This is the law of leprosy. And that is the word of the Lord. And for our title, we're going to get our title from verse 35 of the NET, which says, Then whoever owns the house must come and declare to the priest something like an infection is visible to me in the house. And the shortened version of that is, An infection is visible to me. And Infection is visible to me. And we could also have a third title which says, Replace the infected stones with new stones. Replace the infected stones with new stones. And to begin this way, we believe and preach the God who is absolutely sovereign. And we do not try to clean him up with Sanded baby wipes or a big mop and soap and try to perfume him so that he can become acceptable to the flesh. For to do that is to make a God after our own image, a God of our 
own creation, in other words, an idol. And an idol is nothing and causes nothing. And many who profess to know God, unfortunately, actually know only of an idol and not the God of the Bible. Much of what is being proclaimed as speaking to who God is, is not faithful testimony to what God has revealed about himself. So we do not proclaim a weak God, but the one who is sovereign over things, the one who is the first cause of all things, the one who empowers all things in that to his glory, as Apostle Paul said in Romans 11.36, for from him and through him and to him are all things, to him be the glory forever. Amen. And if you are a listener of my teaching, you know that I've argued and continue to argue that unless one understands the claims of that verse, they will not understand anything. For from him or of him are all things means God is the originator of all things, of all things that come to pass. And through him are all things means it is God who empowers all that comes to pass because nothing comes to pass that does not come through his hands. And to him are all things, and that means all things are to the glory of his name. Whether we think it is sinful or not, that is not a problem for God, because God is not a man that he should be charged with sin. Okay? And to the, to the other matter, and to the other matter that we speak to from our text again, which is also controversial needlessly. You would think that if people were really born again and understood the truth of Christ, they would acknowledge that God is absolutely sovereign. And if they understood and believed the gospel, they should not have any problems with agreeing with the distinction between law and grace. Okay? But there is a serious distinction. There is a consequential distinction between law and grace. But many want to blur the lines. Many want to blur the lines because they think law is more accessible to them than grace. Naturally, that's what they're thinking in their mind. They can't conceive living without commandments of do this, do not do this, do not touch, do not. So the do-nots and do-this are very much accessible to the flesh. And that's why people recoil when we tell them that you are not under the law, but you are under grace. But grace is what God does. And law is what you and I have to do. Law is what we do. And we suck at doing the law. And so naturally, men and women trust the works of their own hands than the works of the hands of Christ on the cross. That is the matter of which we are making a lot of noise about. 
law means you're trusting in something that you are doing. And grace means you're trusting in what the hands of Christ accomplished. That's the distinction. That's the distinction. And it takes the grace of God to yank people's hands off of the matter of salvation. People always want to come and add add their little recipes to the matter of God's grace and mercy in Christ Jesus. But when we make the proper distinctions between law and grace, many not wanting to let go of Moses. If you still remember when Moses died, Israel was weeping for him for a number of weeks. And it is still happening in our time when we tell people that Moses is dead, they keep weeping for him. But when we talk about Moses, we are not talking about Moses as the person Moses was bigger than the person of Moses. We are talking about Moses as he stood for the testimony of the law, as the representative or mediator of the law. And so when people hear that Moses is dead, they'll kick and scream and throw up and throw a big tantrum against us and call us law haters, antinomians, those who are against the law, which we are not, but they perceive us as such because they are not hearing with the hearing of the Spirit. But that accusation is not new. The children of Adam are infatuated with law, thinking that in law they have life and sanctification, even righteousness, and even thinking that by their obedience to the law they can please God. But grace is a very strange concept to their conversation. Grace is very foreign to them. Until and unless they have been taught of God, unless God teaches you the truth of what I am declaring, you're not going to understand what I'm hearing. You're always going to want to find a reason to fight against me. (laughs) But the truth is, there's only one way to please God. And it is faith in his son, in his Christ. And the last time I checked, the law is not of faith. The law is not of faith. And the inheritance of salvation also is not of faith. So just bear in mind of those realities and may God help you with understanding. And these matters we shall speak to as we expound the testimony of Christ in our text. And with that, Let us jump to our text. Let us jump to our text and try to glean some gospel nuggets, as it were. Verse 33 of Leviticus 14. Moses again says, And the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron, saying, When you have come into the land of Canaan, which I give you as a possession, and I put the leprosy plague in a house in the land of your possession, Let us stop there and contemplate some understanding and work some understanding because it is too important to our faith, to our appreciation and view of God's sovereign grace, even of his person and our theology of who God is and who actually causes what in all this stuff. 
hear what God claimed to do when Israel had come to the land of Canaan. Verse 34, he said, When you have come into the land of Canaan, which I give you as a possession, and I, the Lord, put the leprosy plague in a house, in the land of your possession. (laughs) What did God say he would do in someone's house? What did he say? Did he say, when the devil comes and puts a plague of leprosy in your house, when your bad neighbor comes and put a plague of leprosy in your house, is that what the text says? No, he said, and I, the Lord, put the leprosy plague in a house. When the Lord himself comes and puts leprosy in someone's house. Why put leprosy in someone's house? It's not your house. Why do that? Why put leprosy in someone's house? That's not a good thing. Is that a good thing to put leprosy in someone's house? God claims that he would put leprosy in someone's house. And anyone who is a faithful gospel preacher or believer should by now know that leprosy was a type of what? Leprosy was a type of sin. And the effects of sin. And that's right. We need to clear up the foolishness and falsehood in our minds that God does not bring or does not do things like that. Because he does. He claims that he does. And yet people are busy trying to clean him up. And this is the matter that I see. Even from the so-called high-level theologians of old and of new, they break a sweat doing all kinds of gymnastics, all kinds of contortions, trying to conceal or explain away this unavoidable truth. But I did not learn the gospel that way. I did not learn the God of the Bible that way. We speak of the very uncomfortable things and we come to destroy a lot of idols. Eh? The Lord God has every right to do whatever is right in his own sight. To bring the leprosy of sin to someone, to you and yet not be charged with sin or unrighteousness. Is there any unrighteousness with God? Paul asked that from the book of Romans chapter 9, when he was discussing the matter of election, that he determined to bless Jacob over Esau before they had even done anything good or bad, that the purpose of God according to election should stand. Was there any unrighteousness with God to do that? It is a simple matter if you have a very high view of God. It is a difficult matter if you imagine God as a supersized version of your father or grandfather or as one of us. The matter of sin was not something that happened in the Garden of Eden that was not according to God's plan and intention. It actually sickens me to hear professing Christians still thinking this way, even with all the revelation of God's eternal purpose in Christ as has been expounded to us in the book of Ephesians. Sin was always part of God's equation 
in that eternal purpose and mystery of God in Christ, which mystery has now been revealed in the gospel as we are declaring it. Because if sin happened outside of God's ordination or decree and bringing it about through secondary means, then nothing is secure. You have to understand the implication or implications of your theological positions. Because if sin happened by accident, guess what? Your salvation is also by accident. (laughs) Because God may just be caught napping again as many things happened in the Garden of Eden. And with such theology, even if you get to heaven, some thieves may just break in and get your goods. Your eternity is never secure. Because the God that you're believing in is not paying attention. And that is foolish theology. (laughs) That is foolish teaching that is only in keeping with the gods of Baal that Elijah soundly mocked. This is the truth. God ordained sin to come. He did. Because the cross of Christ was God's purpose from eternity. And there is no cross without sin. It is impossible. You can't have the cross without sin. And the God who knows all things, the God who is sovereign, cannot be reacting to what men and women did. Because if that were true, then he is not the omnipotent, all-knowing, omnipresent God. If God purposed the cross, then he also purposed the means to that cross, which was sin, even your sin as it is today. Your sin and my sin was always in view with regards to the cross. That is clear teaching. And the denial of this truth is not righteousness because a lot of people think it's righteous to try and defend God when they are telling lies on God. It is actually unbelief. And God is not pleased with unbelief. And some of these confessions of faith will say one thing. They will say something and it almost sounds right. And before you finish off the the sentence or statement, they undo the statement. They make all these crazy qualifications to the earlier proposal or proposition that they end up just telling lies on God. And this is in an attempt to be safe and make God approachable. To humanize God. It is a sad situation. (laughs) It is a very bad situation. And that's what the Lord was saying. When he said, will will the Son of Man find faith when he returns? Find the truth still being proclaimed and believed upon. But the text says again, going back to Leviticus 14, 35, And he who owns the house comes and tells the priest, saying, It seems to me that there is some plague in the house. And as I said from the NET, which says, Then whoever owns the house must come and declare to the priest. The one who owns the house must come and declare to the priest, saying what? Saying something like, an infection is, is visible to me in the house. The one 
who owns the house shall go and tell the priest. Pay attention to that. It is not the nosy neighbors who go to the priest to tell him about the leprosy in someone's house, but the one who owns the house. So pay attention. This is gospel teaching that is in the text. The one who owns the house is the same as the house. And so the house is a picture of the owner who is a sinner, and that means you and I. Because the house cannot go and speak, but it carries the testimony of the sinful condition or situation of the owner. Because if the house is made clean, and so is the owner, because they are inseparable. Do you understand the connection? If you go into this house that's unclean, you become unclean. If the house is made clean, you also become clean. So this testimony is bigger than the house. So the sinner is commanded of the Lord to go tell the priest. Go tell the priest about their leprosy, about their mildew, about their diseased infection problem. But not to tell the Lord about the name it and claim it stuff as we have been hearing in a lot of these places. My dear friends, my dear brothers and sisters, the matter of the purification of a house, just like the purification of the body, was a matter of the priest to do. This class of people is the only one that was and is approved by God to deal with such matters, such matters of purification. Purification is not for anybody who has a hose and can open a faucet of water. And so what were they to tell the priest? God says, something like an infection is visible to me in the house. Something like a plague or an infection is visible to me in the house. What a glorious statement. But what is it a confession of? It was a confession of sin. Confession of a sinner speaking of their condition before God saying something like an infection is visible to me in the house, in my house, in me. In me, I see an infection, something visible like a plague. I'm seeing in my person. Something that makes me feel unrighteous. Question, is that a confession? Do you share the testimony of the plague that has become visible to you in your house? Do you have that testimony? Have you had that testimony? That something visible like an infection has come into your house, into your person. Because the Pharisees, in their self-righteousness, did not see the diseased infection that was in their own homes, in their own houses, that is in themselves, and thus they did not go and tell the priest when he came, when the Lord Jesus showed up. They were supposed to go and tell him about their diseased infection, but the text says, he came to his own, and his own received him not. And the Lord Jesus Christ said, If you don't believe that I am he, you die in your sins. 
because your leprosy has not been made visible to you. And that's the Lord speaking with them. The Jews, Luke 18, verse 9 and following, he says, And he also taught this parable to some people who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and viewed others with contempt. Those who trusted in themselves that they were righteous had not been made able to see the leprosy that was in them. The leprosy that was in their own houses, they were ignorant of their own leprosy. So what do they claim before God? They do not speak to the examination and purification by the priest and being declared clean by the priest. That's not their testimony. No, this is what they say. Luke 18, 11 to 12. You should know that I love this text. It's going to feature in one way or the other in a lot of the messages that I preach because it's very important to our appreciation of God's gospel. Luke 18, verse 11 and 12. The Pharisee stood and was praying this to himself. God, I thank you that I am not like other people. I'm not like other men, swindlers, and just adulterers, or even like this tax collector here. Like right here. This tax collector, right, standing by me. How are you different? I fast twice a week. I pay tithes of all that I get. <laughs> this is the testimony of the one whose leprosy has not been discovered to them, has not been made visible to them to see it. So they come and talk about themselves instead of talking about their leprosy. But here, the testimony of the text collector, the Lord continued and said, verse 13 and 14, but the text collector standing some distance away was even unwilling to lift up his eyes to heaven, but was beating his breast saying, God, be merciful to me, this sinner. God, be merciful to me, this sinner. The tax collector was standing some distance away in keeping with the testimony of those with diseased infections to say that the leprosy in his house had been made visible to him. It had been made visible to him so much that he was even unwilling to lift up his eyes to heaven because the marks of his leprosy were so visible, high definition, 4K quality, made visible to him by God. That's how salvation works. So he could only say what? His prayer was short. He didn't have anything good to say about himself. But God be merciful to me, the sinner. Not God be merciful to me, a sinner, but the sinner. God, be propitious to me, this sinner. God, make me clean on account of Christ, on account of your grace and mercy. The one who has a diseased house, who cannot and could not clean it themselves, only beg God for mercy. Be merciful to me. God, be merciful to me. And to this, what did the priest say? Verse 14, I tell you, 
this man went to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but he who humbles himself will be exalted. How did Jesus know that this man went home justified? How did he know? Because he is the high priest. Christ is the high priest. It is his business to declare sinners as clean as justified. It is he who cleans and pronounces as clean. And so the tax collector went home, a clean man, he went home without any arrears to God, without any debt to God, but only thanksgiving. Because that's what the sinner who has been justified owes God. They owe God, not law-keeping, but thanksgiving. John 9, 39-41. And Jesus said, you know the conversation between the Jews, the Pharisees, the Lord Jesus and the man born blind. And the Pharisees were not too happy, were not too excited that this man who was born blind seemingly was coming up with high theology and making a mess of them. Also being able to see, to see Christ and yet they who had eyes that were open could not see Christ. And in the ensuing conversation, the Lord said, For judgment I came into this world. That's John 9, 39. For judgment I came into this world, so that those who do not see may see, and that those who see may become blind. That those who do not see may see their leprosy, and the way of cleansing, and those who think they see who think they know or are good in themselves, trusting in their own sensibilities and righteousness, their own holiness, their own stopping and starting this. He came to make blind so that the marks and condemnation of their sin remains invisible to them. Because if your sin remains invisible to you, you could never run to Christ. You could never run to the priest. Because you only go to the priest when sin has been made visible to you. Do you understand me? Hear the response of the Pharisees to the Lord's words. Verse 40. Those of the Pharisees who were with him heard these things and said to him, We are not blind too, are we? In other words, do we also have leprosy, Jesus? And by that question, they want Jesus to say no you guys are the most righteous. Everything is okay with you. But the Lord said to them, verse 41, if you were blind, you would have no sin. But since you see, we see your sin remains, you cannot claim to see the matter of salvation by your own will or power of choice. Because to see in the matter of salvation is the work of God alone. And the Lord said, those who claim to see, to have done something to figure Jesus out by themselves, their sin remains because they are ascribing power which they do not possess. They are not acknowledging their blindness and thus their leprosy before God. You, you have to have leprosy. You have to be a leper, my friends. 
Christ has mercy only for those whose leprosy has been discovered to them, made visible to them. The leper comes and says, Lord, if you're willing, you can make me clean. Only the leper can ask for cleansing. Okay? Hear this. So when God regenerates a sinner, and that means when God makes a sinner alive spiritually, what do they see? They come to God and say something like an infection is visible to me in my house. Their sin, the judgment of it, and their inability to do anything about it is made visible to them so that they may run to the priest and the priest shall do what? Verse 36 of Leviticus 14, that the priest shall command that they empty the house before the priest goes into it to examine the plague, that all that is in the house may not be made unclean, and afterward the priest shall go in to examine the house. The priest was to command that they empty the house before the priest went in to examine the plague and this was to prevent the contamination of other things, but also so that the business of the priest was only for the removal of sin because Christ came for a very particular mission. He was revealed to take away sin. We shall call his name Jesus because he shall save his people from their sins. So all this other business, all this other peripheral, secondary, tertiary business has to be taken out of the house so that as the priest, he may deal with the particular issue for which he came. And I said, <laughs> verse 37, and he shall examine the plague and indeed, if the plague is on the walls of the house with ingrained streaks, greenish or reddish, which appear to be deep in the wall, then the priest shall go out of the house to the door of the house and shut up the house seven days. If the priest made his examination and determined that it had ingrained streaks, greenish or reddish in color and appeared, to be deep in the wall, he was to go out of the house and shut up the house for seven long days, essentially boarding up the house. Verse 39, And the priest shall come again on the seventh day and look, and indeed, if the plague is spread on the walls of the house, then the priest shall command that they take away the stones in which is the plague, and they shall cast them into an unclean place outside the city. So the priest was to come back again on the seventh day to make or do another inspection. And if he discovered that the plague had spread on the walls of the house, he would command that they take away the stones in which was the plague and cast them into an unclean place outside the city. Follow the detail. Pay attention to the detail. Now, this matter was not about COVID rules. It was not about social distancing to prevent the spreading of infections. 
even though temporarily that may have helped the situation, but it was a much deeper reality, much deeper spiritual reality of what Christ Jesus, God's appointed priest, the high priest of a confession, found when he came and inspected your house. This was about teaching you and I, the sinners, about what God requires for the purification of your disease, which is sin. And so when he came, he found a house that was infested with leprosy, which leprosy had spread on the walls and had gone deeper. Your sin has spread on the walls and has gone deeper. That's what the high priest found. My brothers and sisters, your sin and mine is deeper beyond your imagination. Because the depth of it is a matter of the examination, determination, or declaration of the priest. And not by you. Because to do that is to judge yourself by yourself. You could not be the best person. You could not be the best yardstick, as it were. Tape measure or ruler to try and gauge the depth of your sin. You can't do that. If you're doing that, you're deceived. That is why Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians 4, 3 and 5 said, But to me it is a very small thing that I may be examined by you or by any human court. In fact, I do not even examine myself. Paul said it is a very small matter to him for anybody to try and judge him with respect to righteousness and salvation. Because he he didn't even judge himself in that regard. Why? Verse 4, for I am conscious of nothing against myself. He says, I am conscious of nothing against myself in the context of what Christ has done. I'm not conscious of anything because that's what grace does or should do if properly understood. Yet I am not by this acquitted, but the one who examines me is the Lord. So he's saying even my own consciousness, conviction of sin or lack of conviction of sin means nothing because the ultimate judgment is by the Lord. Okay? So judging Paul, judging yourself with respect to righteousness is a useless exercise because they are using the wrong scale. So, you can't judge yourself to say, oh, I'm clean or not. Whether your house is clean or has leprosy, you have no ability to see the depth of your leprosy. And so this matter is the work of Christ by His Spirit. The Lord is the one who examines His people. And what does the Lord say to his people when he has examined them for leprosy. He does find the leprosy, but he doesn't end there. As the priest, what does he have to say? You are clean on account of the words that I've spoken. You are clean. You are clean on account of the words that the high priest has spoken. Or who shall bring a charge against God's elect? Who shall condemn? It is 
God who justifies and it is Christ who died, who even is seated on the right hand of God, ever making intercession for us. That's where you are. That is what the cleanliness that Christ has pronounced about you means. No charge against you. In spite of your leprosy, no charge against you because there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ. Scandalous. Oh, what a big scandal. But yet this again in the event that the leprosy had spread deep into the walls. Here the prescription given to the priest by God. Verse 40. Then the priest shall command that they take away the stones in which is the plague and they shall cast them into an unclean place outside the city. The priest was to command that they take away the stones in which was the plague. The stones that formed the foundation or walls of that house had also been affected, infected, diseased, and were not good for the house anymore. They had to be cast into an unclean place outside the city. But which stones are these that have to be cast out from the place that has a plague? Why would God tell us that you have to take away some stones? Could they not have used some bleach, some pressure washer to make them clean? No. These stones cannot be made clean by pressure washing them or by bleaching them. They had to be taken away from the wall of the house and thrown outside of the city. But what are these stones that are somehow related to the cleanliness or uncleanliness of the house? What are these stones that are involved in this matter of leprosy? These are the stones of the law. <laughs> How do we know that? Because if leprosy is a type of sin, of which it is, then sin never happens apart from the law. And if you still remember, the law was given to increase the transgression, to increase the leprosy. And so if you have to stop the leprosy, you have to do something about the stones. You have to do something about the stones. You have to remove them. You have to remove them or else the leprosy will continue to increase. 1 Corinthians 15, 56. The sting of death is sin. And the power of sin is in the law. This relationship between sin and law and death is not understood. Especially by many in the reformed camp who kind of say a lot of things like us. But we have a significant difference. They do not understand the implications of law when it has been put in the same house as one who has a plague of leprosy. The power of sin, listen to me someone, Lord Jesus, help someone understand. The power of sin is in the law. Law and sin are Siamese twins. They are joined together at the hip. They do not happen apart from each other, and yet the law is not of sin. See the difference. The law is not of sin. The law is good, 
holy and commandment good. But that is how we end up with a diseased house. A house full of sin is because of the goodness of the law. So what has to happen in the cleansing of leprosy? What has to happen now that we have the leprosy and now that we have the stones in the house? The stones have to be removed and thrown out. The stones have to be removed and thrown out. And that means the law has to be removed from the sinner or else the leprosy and its condemnation remains. That's clear, teacher. The stones were cast out in an unclean place outside the city. And Christ Jesus also was cast outside the city because outside the camp is where the matters of sin and its purification are handled by the priest who is qualified and that means by the cross of Christ Jesus. The stones that were infected with leprosy were thrown outside of the city. And yet Christ Jesus, who was also righteous, was thrown outside of the city because he had been infected by our sin, which had been imputed to him, that he may make atonement for it. You understand me? <laughs> Verse 41. And he shall cause the house to be scraped inside, all around, and the dust that they scrape off, they shall pour out, in an unclean place outside the city. The priest shall cause the house to be scrubbed inside, all around, and even the dust that they scrape off, they shall pour out in an unclean place outside the city, scraping even to the very tiny speck of dust. Why? Because that speaks to a thorough cleansing or cleaning of the house. And that means the thorough cleaning of the sinner that is you by Christ Jesus. The cleaning has happened by the priest and it is to that level of detail. To the very dust of your sin it has been taken care of. This is what Christ accomplished for the sinner, for his church. He did a thorough and complete job that even the little dust particles of your sin were scraped off of you and taken to the cross outside the city. Full propitiation, full satisfaction for all of your sin debt. I mean, now, there are those who continue to object to our teaching that the true believer, redeemed of the blood of Christ, is not under the law. And I argue that the truth of this matter is not by man. It is not taught by man, but of God. You can read a lot of reformed books, a lot of articles, you can study all the Greek and Hebrew and Latin and yet never come to the knowledge of the truth because the truth is only taught of God. The Apostle Paul 
and those who preach this truth got many lashings for teaching that if one is under grace, they are not under the law of Moses. And this testimony is important because it separates true faith from false faith. Many in the Reformed camp insist that the believer is saved to be under the law of Moses, the Decalogue, the Ten Commandments, and are even sanctified by the law, and that the law is the rule of life for the believer. And to come to that conclusion, they have to ignore way too much biblical testimony, which to me is unacceptable. But as we have observed in many of our previous messages, the teaching that the believer is not under the law of Moses is testimony that God even taught in the Old Testament. The law anticipated its own retirement. The problem is preachers and believers do not know how to read the law so that they may end in Christ alone as complete and sufficient for the believer for salvation and as the rule of life. Why? Because God has not taught it to them. God has not given them eyes to see it. But let us see if we are correct. God says to Moses, verse 42 of Leviticus 16, Then they shall take other stones and put them in the place of those stones, and he shall take other mortar and plaster the house. Let us stop right there. What did God say in verse 40 of Leviticus 14? Let's go back to verse 40 and tie verse 40 to verse 42 so that you may see the distinction and the point that I am driving at. Verse 40 says, Then the priest shall command that they take away the stones in which is the plague and they shall cast them into an unclean place outside the city. So in verse 40, the stones that were in the house were commanded to be taken out of the house of the one whose house had contracted mildew. And as I said, these are gospel pictures. The house represents the sinner and the leprosy or the mildew represents the sin that has overtaken you and I and the process by which it has to be cleansed. And you can't talk about sin where there's no testimony of the law, and you can't talk about the purification of sin where there's no testimony of the blood of Christ. So the law represented by the stones being part of the first old infested house had to be taken away for cleansing to happen. They had to be taken down if cleansing from leprosy had to happen. These first tablets had to be taken away because they were implicated in the leprosy of the house. But you would have thought that God would say, now that we have removed those old stones, let us wash them and put them back to strengthen the structure. Let us wash those old stones and bring them back. That's what a lot of people 
think in their theology. No, he did not recommend the reusing of the old stones. God did not recommend the reusing of the old stones. What did he say? Verse 42, then they shall take other stones, underline that. Then they shall take other stones and put them where? And put them in the place of those stones that were removed. They shall take other stones and put them in the place of those stones. And he shall take other mortar and plaster the house. They shall take other stones and put them in the place of those old infected stones. And in their place they shall take other mortar and other stones and then plaster the house. Did you hear of the other stones and the other mortar? To be used to rebuild, to make and keep the house clean. What are these other stones, other mortar that God says to use to rebuild the house and keep it free from the plague. Who is this stone that replaces the old stones of the law that cause the plague, that cause leprosy, that cause mildew, that increase your sin? Apostle Peter says in Acts 4.11, this is the stone <laughs> this is the stone which was rejected by you builders, which has become the chief cornerstone. The stone, the stone, this Jesus is the stone, the head cornerstone, rejected by those who were rebuilding their own mildew and leprosy infested houses. The law keeper is he or she who is in the business of rejecting the better stone that God has recommended for rebuilding their sin-infested house for the commandments that are the power of sin. They would rather have the old commandments, the old stones, the old stones that were implicated in their leprosy they would rather keep those, pressure wash those, put them in the washer and dry them. Rather than getting the new stone, they reject God's stone to rebuild. God says, do not use the old stones, get new ones. The new stone came and the Jews rejected him who was the head cornerstone. The commandments themselves, my dear friends, are not sinful. But they work sin in the believer because you are you, you are you, because of the weakness of the flesh. It's taught us in Romans 7, which is one of our favorite places to go. Paul says, Romans 7, starting from verse 7, what shall we say then? Is the law sin? Because we had the testimony of the stones that were in the diseased house and was to be pulled out and thrown out. 
Shall we say then the law is sin? Absolutely not. May never be. Certainly I would not have known sin except through the law. I would not have known sin except through the stones. For indeed, I would not have known what it means to covet or to desire something belonging to someone else if the law had not come and said, do not covet. But sin, seizing the opportunity through the commandment, sin seizes opportunity through the commandment. That's the relationship between leprosy and the law, leprosy and the stones that did to be removed, seizing opportunity through the commandment, produced in me all kinds of wrong desires. For apart from the law, sin is what? Is dead. For apart from giving the law, sin is dead. And I was once alive apart from the law, but with the coming of the commandment, sin became alive The law gave sin power. It became alive. It resurrected the sin that was lying dormant. And Paul said, I was alive once. But when the commandment came, I, who was alive, died. Died from condemnation. Died from the realization of his leprosy. So much that he would say, in me, that is in my flesh, there is nothing good that was. So I found that the very commandment that was intended or was promising to bring life brought death to me. It brought death to me. For sin, seizing the opportunity through the commandment, deceived me and through it I died. Sin uses the law as a decoy to kill anyone who thinks they can do it. So then, Paul says, the law is holy and the commandment is holy, righteous and good. (laughs) Do you see that? Did that which is good then become dead to me? Absolutely not. But sin, so that it may... Be shown to be sin, produce death in me through what is good. Do you see that for sin to produce death in you, it needs something that is good. And so, the law is that which is good that sin uses to get you killed. So that through the commandment, sin would become utterly sinful. And so God comes and says, in the matter of purification, Change out the stones for the better and cleaner stones and better mortar. If your house should be made clean, if your house should be pronounced as clean, because by the deeds of the law shall no house be made clean, shall no man be justified before him, for by the law is the knowledge of sin. I need us to revisit this testimony again and hammer it some more because it is just important and is not understood. Here, what God says again, verse 42, Leviticus 14, then they shall take other stones and put them in the place of those stones. 
Remove the old stones and in their place put new stones. Excellent, brilliant teaching. In this we see the replacement of the old covenant of the law by the new testament in the blood of Christ. In the matter of the salvation of a sinner who is sin infested. The believer does not become unclean or more corrupt just because the old stones of Moses were taken out as those who call us antinomians think and would like to falsely conclude about our position. You and I are already corrupt. You are already corrupt. That is your nature. The law only brings out what you are already. Just like x-rays do not cause bonds to be broken. Rather, they reveal which bonds are broken. And yet, the very x-rays are not the cure to the broken limbs. You cannot cure someone who has broken ribs, broken legs with x-rays. They have no such power. They can only reveal that which is broken. So, the removal of the old stones does not make you corrupt. But in Christ, we have been left with a better stone, clean stone, holy, undefiled, and separate from sinners. That's the testimony of who Christ is from the book of Hebrews. And by that stone, we have been built anew. And by that stone, we have been pronounced as clean. My brothers and sisters, everyone is busy. Busy building. Everyone has stones in their hands, stones in their backyard, stones in their shovel, to try and clean up their mildew-infested homes, who is themselves. But few have changed the stones to use for that project as God has instructed. God says, change the stones. But many are busy pressure washing the old stones of the law because they see value in the old stones of Moses and they see value through the third use of the law, sanctification by the law. But God says, please replace the stones with clean ones. Please, that covenant of the law is already broken, it's already sin-infested. So I'll make a new covenant with them, not like the covenant that I made with their fathers or forefathers when I took them out of Egypt. Yeah? A stone that has never been infected by mildew is Christ Jesus. But God says, replace the stones with clean ones. A stone that has never been infected by mildew and plaster the house. And that is Christ Jesus. And that is the gospel that we declare, of which I'm labeled an antinomian by those who are building their homes with the old stones of Moses. 
If you want the reform people to come after you, tell them to replace the old stones with the new ones. Tell them to put new wine in the new wineskins. Tell them that Christ is sufficient all by himself. And they'll come attacking you and say you are not saved because you are supposed to be carrying the burdens of the old stones because misery loves company. Some of them still have the same zeal as the Jews of old who did not understand the matter of the gospel because they would not submit to the righteousness of God. They did not submit to the righteousness of God, but to their own righteousness. Yeah? They want to create their own righteousness. So the removal of the Austins, of the law, of the letter that kills, of the ministry of death and condemnation, does not mean that the redeemed have no more structure to hold them. Because Reformed theology thinks that if you remove the law, then there's no more mortar to use to hold the believer in place. No, that's not true. In fact, God has given them a better stone and a better house, a clean house, Christ in you, the hope of glory. So what is Christ doing in you? Because he is the rock, the stone that God is using to build you a new house without sin, a new house without leprosy. Christ in you, that's God putting new stones. <laughs> and what is the Holy Spirit doing in you because he mediates the presence of the new stone that God has put in his new house. You are the temple of the living God. And you can't have a temple without some stones to build the foundation. And Christ is he who is the stone for that foundation. So Christ in you is more than enough stones for your house. Understand me? Let's go to verse 43 and following. God says, Now if the plague comes back and breaks out in the house after he has taken away the stones, after he has scraped the house and after it is plastered, then the priest shall come and look and indeed, if the plague has spread in the house, it is an active leprosy in the house. It is unclean. So, after the house remedial actions were taken, the priest was to come back again to do another inspection. And if the house owner had done all the remedial actions, but then noticed that the plague had spread in the house, then it was an active leprosy. And the conclusion was the house was unclean. And what would happen in that event? Verse 45, verse 45, And he shall break down the house, its stones, its timber, and all the plaster of the house, and he shall carry them outside the city to an unclean place. The whole house now had to be taken down to the ground and carried outside the city to an unclean place. And that being the testimony of the sinner who has been completely defiled by sin, the whole person unclean 
from head to toe. And in that condition, none can do any righteousness. Why? Because they are unclean. And Job says in Job 14, for who can bring a clean thing out of an unclean? And the answer to that is no one. No one born in Adam, but Christ Jesus is able. It is he, the lion, the conquering lion of, of Judah, is he who conquered. Verse 46. Moreover, he who goes into the house at all while it is shut up shall be unclean until evening. So the house had to be shut. And if anyone would go into a house whilst it was still shut up, they would also become unclean. Verse 47, And he who lies down in the house shall wash his clothes, and he who is in the house shall wash his clothes. So the one who lies in this house and is in this house shall do what? They shall wash their clothes. The sinner is he or she who lies down and eats in the tent of their flesh. And they need to wash their clothes. In other words, they need righteousness. They need a change of garments. But here is the alternative testimony. Verse 48, But if the priest comes in and examines it, and indeed the plague has not spread in the house after the house was plastered, then the priest shall pronounce the house clean because the plague is healed. If the plague did not spread in the house after replacing the stones and plastering it anew, the priest was to pronounce the house as clean. Why? Because the plague is healed. But how? How do you heal a house that is leprosy? Verse 49. Hear the process. And it shall take to cleanse the house two bears, cedarwood, scarlet, and hyssop. Then it shall kill one of the bears in an earthen vessel of running water. And it shall take the cedarwood, the hyssop, the scarlet, and the living bed and dip them in the blood of the slain bed and in the running water and sprinkle the house seven times. See, that is the testimony that we taught and learned last week about the purification of one who had a diseased infection. And if they were poor, they'd bring two living and clean beds and one to be offered and the one to be dipped in the blood of the sacrifice, in the blood of the one that died, and to be set free. And so that formula of purification was repeated even for the house. Verse 52, And he shall cleanse the house with the blood of the bed and the running water, and the living bed with the cedar wood, the hyssop, and the scarlet. Then he shall let the living bed loose outside the city, in the open field and make atonement for the house and it shall be clean. This does not make sense. If you want to remove mildew, you use bleach to make it clean. And if there's no mildew, then there's no mildew. It should stop there. It's clean. No, 
not according to God. You use the blood of the sacrifice to make purification of something that had a plague, something that had leprosy, something that had some kind of infection. It requires a sacrifice. The blood of the clean and living bed killed over running water and applied to the house is what would cause the house to be clean and applied or sprinkled seven times to say completely applied, completely clean. And that is God's prescription for sin because again, without the shedding of blood, there's no remission, there's no cancellation of sin because it is the blood that makes atonement. So, do you see that this was not about trying to deal with COVID or with mildew in your house. The COVID pandemic is there as a reminder to the truth of our leprosy and our need of the atonement that is in Christ Jesus. That's the larger picture. Okay? And so we come to this point. The summary of the purification of a diseased Infection, verse 54 and following, and God says, This is the law for any leprous sore and scale, for the leprosy of a garment and of a house, for a swelling and a scab and a bright spot, to teach when it is clean and when it is unclean. So the matter of sin and the law, the matter of leprosy and all this purification, was to teach about sin, to know about your sin, and to know about cleanliness, and how one who is a sinner is to be pronounced as clean by the mediation of one who is appointed of God, called priest to do the work of purification. And not only that, to declare things as clean or unclean. So this is the law of leprosy, or you could also say this is the law of salvation. It doesn't matter how small the soul or scale, it requires a priesthood and sacrifice to make and pronounce a sinner like you as clean. Your garment and house have been infected, my dear brothers and sisters, infected with leprosy, the leprosy of sin, and you desperately need atonement, you need purification, you need cleansing, that you may be pronounced as clean before God. But God says, when you see this leprosy in your house, because God has put it in your house, you did not put it yourself, because God has put it in your house, go and tell the priest. Go and tell Christ. God is saying, go to Christ. If you have sin issues, go to Christ. Go to Christ. And go to Christ. Go tell the priest about the leprosy situation in your house. You need atonement for you to be pronounced as clean. But dear friends, some of your sin and mine is public. 
but the majority of it is private and largely unknown to us. But it's no difference because it's all a processing and it requires atonement by the priest. God means for you and I to go to the priest. But you could not go to the priest, you could not come to Christ unless God brought the diseased infection and drew you to Christ. Because Christ said in John 6, no one can come to me. No one can come to me unless the Father draws them. No one. So sin is God's way to introduce you and I, to introduce you and I to the necessity of the priesthood of Christ and the need for atonement. I'm going to repeat that statement because this is very important. Your sin and mine were not, are not random acts. Sin is by God's way, God's doing, God's ordination to introduce you to the necessity of the priesthood of Christ. Now that's a big understanding. There's a necessity to the priesthood of Christ because Christ is the mediator of life and righteousness and that through his priesthood, through the work of his atonement, Without sin, the priest of Christ is rendered useless. And yet, he is the priest of the God Most High, according to the order of Melchizedek, who has an eternal priesthood. So if Christ has an eternal priesthood with the power of an endless life, guess what? Sin was always in view. But even now, I have liberal souls, and scales. I still live and feel the leprosy of my old garment and of my old house in Adam. I still see some swelling here and there, a scale in a bright spot. I had poison ivy twice in the past one and a half months, and I learned that if I was not careful, I would spread it even as I was trying to wash myself or even just scratching. And that is how sin goes. We spread it by just scratching our itchiness. And it can only be handled by one who is able to, one who is able, the Lord Christ Jesus. Otherwise, my attempt to remove it spreads it. And for this reason, babies do not change their own diapers. They can only spread the poop around and sting the place some more. I'm telling the truth. Babies do not change their own diapers. If you want a disaster to happen, let them change their diapers. And that is for the same reason that God will not leave the purification of sin to your hands to do or to decide or to will. But many do not want to go and tell the priests about their leprosy, about their sin. They do not want to tell Christ, he who alone was revealed to take away sin, to deal with sin as the high priest, him who after he had made an end to the purification of sin, sat down on the right hand of majesty on high. My dear friends, brothers and sisters in Christ, an infection has been made visible to me in my house. 
And God has come to me and said, go tell the priest. Go tell the priest that something visible, an infection has happened in your house. And God says, remove the old stones and rebuild the house with new stones. Christ Jesus, the rock of offense and the stone that the builders of works righteousness refused, but has become the cornerstone. Remove the old rocks, throw away the old rocks, the old stones from your walls, my dear friends, and come to Christ. If God has made your leprosy visible to you, because if he has, you see it all the time. But you also see the atonement that he has given in Christ to set this bed free into the wild, this bed that has been dipped in the blood of the sacrifice and let loose into the open field. Even the New Testament in his blood is the open field. It is only in the New Testament, the blood of Christ, the sinners are set free. But before we close off, these are some verses for you to meditate on again. Verse 34, Leviticus 14, when you have come into the land of Canaan, which I give you as a possession, and I, and I put the leprosy plague in a house in the land of a possession. God claims to put leprosy in someone's house that he may show them how to remove it how he has to remove it to his glory. Verse 35, Then whoever owns the house must come and declare to the priest something like an infection is visible to me in the house. So God puts this leprosy in someone's house that they may come to the priest and tell the priest that something like an infection is visible to me. You see under the ordering? And see now the work of the priest, verse 40. Then the priest shall command that they take away the stones in which is the plague and they shall cast them into an unclean place outside the city. This priest, Christ Jesus, is he who commanded for the taking away of the stones in which is the plague. The taking away of the covenant of the law in which was the plague. After Christ has fulfilled it, it had to be taken away. Then they shall take other stones, verse 42. Then they shall take other stones and put them in the place of those stones. And he shall take other mortar and plaster the house. Shall take other stones. They shall stand. They shall rest in the other stone. That is Christ Jesus that is not infected by sin. My dear brothers and sisters, I pray that God has made visible to you your infection of sin, but even more that you can't use the old stones of the law to try and rebuild a leprosy-infested house that is you. God has given us a better stone, a clean stone, a righteous and holy stone to build us anew 
and that is Christ Jesus, and that is our gospel, and it is free, and that is clear teaching, and that is amen, and that is to say I'm done. Praise be to God through Christ Jesus. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we bless you and thank you for your goodness and mercy. We thank you for the testimony of the gospel according to Leviticus 14, the testimony of the infection, the plague that has been made visible to us that we may go and tell the priest and the priest to come and make an examination and pronounce the house as either clean or unclean and even after that to make atonement according to the sacrifice and the dipping of blood and dipping the other bed that represented the sinner in the blood of the sacrifice and setting it loose and making the person in the house clean. And this law, universal to all manner of sin, to escape, to escale, to diseased clothing, to diseased house, houses, it didn't matter because there's only one way of making atonement and it is by the shedding of blood, the blood of Christ. We thank you, Lord Jesus. We thank you, Holy Spirit, for teaching us. Be with us always and bring us to the teaching of the truth of Christ. We honor you. We glorify you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Jesus.